Hello, hello, and happy Sunday. If you are here, you are here for Weightless with Dr. Carol Penn. I am so excited to welcome our viewing audience as well as our listening audience to today's show. We have, as always, a very special guest that you'll have an opportunity to meet later. But let me tell you, if you've tuned in, you are listening to, you are watching Weightless with Dr. Carol Penn, our exciting 10-part series where we discuss all things that are, in fact, weightless. Are you talking about or wanting to experience some weight release in your body for health reasons, for life reasons, for wellness reasons, for whatever the reasons? Are you talking about becoming more weightless and keeping a physical weight off? Or are you talking about spiritual weightlessness, feeling lighter in mind, body, and spirit? For you see, this is our journey. We look at it from both ends of the lens, which is a wonderful way to experience life and to experience what it is that you need to experience in your life to become truly weightless. And so we are so excited to have our show today. But first, let's get ready. I'm going to call everybody with the Go Can Queen. And this wonderful instrument most often used, well, throughout Africa. But this particular bell is from Ghana. And whenever you hear it, it signifies come and see what's happening. Go and see what's happening. And as always, we invite you to be involved in the chat and share your comments and your thoughts. And we are going to do what? We are going to be sharing our hearts today as we make our journey with today's special guest. And our theme today really bridges two things. We're going to do a refrain on embracing Buffalo. And we are also going to talk about creative expression on today's show. So we are excited about both of those things. And you'll be meeting my friends, my sister, my sister in arms, I should say, an activist sister friend, Dina Adler on today's show. But wait, we have to have a word from our sponsor first. And that's a very important word. We also have to hear our beautiful theme song by Kenny Brazil Hamilton. And then we'll be in order and ready to flow with today's show. So right after you hear Kenny, we'll have a word from our sponsor. So let's take it away, Kenny, and our beautiful theme song, Weightless. Weightless, weightless. No matter what people say, you're full of greatness. Greatness. Time you opened up your eyes, you were courageous. If only they could see you going through your paces It's amazing Weightless No matter what people say You're full of greatness Time you open up your eyes You walk away Just If only they could see you going through your paces It's amazing Weightless, no matter what people 
me open up your eyes, you were courageous. If only they could see you going through your paces, it's amazing. Ah, welcome back. Thank you so much. And our sponsor. Yes, don't go away, sponsor. Come on back. Weightless with Dr. Carol Penn is brought to you by Penn Global Visions, Penn Global Medical Group, and the Tocito Connection. We'd like to thank you for supporting this program and for joining us today. We invite you to listen to the podcasts of all of our shows at Anchor.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts and videos, of course, on YouTube. Now let's return to Dr. Carol and her super friend guest. Thank you. Thank you so very much. Thank you to our entire production team. Thank you, of course, to our sponsors. And I do have to give a shout out to, yes, Victoria. She's the founder of Tecito and Sunurail. And, you know, yeah, this, this beautiful, beautiful beaded, one might call it a beaded collar. You can wear it in different ways. Uh, an incredible craftsperson made this. And, you know, the, the handiwork is just, it's extraordinary. And Victoria has as part of her mission in life, bringing these authentic works of art. And I love wearing a work of art. And also I have to say, when I was in the Gambia in May, the shirt that I'm wearing, which are these beautiful individual quilted pieces, you know, sewn on this beautiful, wonderful organic cotton, was sewn by a high school student, a young lady, and who's a part of this wonderful, natural, holistic center where women are being trained. So, and they're being trained on how to support the grid and how to support the environment. They're being trained in mechanics and electricity. I mean, it is just fantastic. Well, hello and welcome to everyone who is joining today. We are so glad to see you. We want you certainly to say hello. And certainly, yes, Lisa, we are happy to put your name in the chat and say hello. So now, you know how I like to do. You know how I like to do. I like to bring our guest on. So you can kind of feel their vibe and, and pick up their vibe while they're listening to their accolades. Hey, Dr. Charlotte. Hey. And this way you start to get to feel them because a lot of what Dr. Carol loves to talk about and do and be about is, ah, you know, what you're feeling, what you're feeling in your heart. So I'm going to bring her on. You've heard me mention her name. There she is. There's my wonderful friend and sister, my activist in arms. Who knew? Dina Rain Adler. She is a registered art therapist, faculty and certified practitioner of the Center for Mind-Body Medicine. Dina believes that at the heart of self-care is the capacity to cultivate self-awareness and self-expression for healing. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. So for your healing and for the potential of your life, 
She provides an integrative approach for health and wellness, supporting discovery of mind-body tools and restorative practices that are evidence-based and draw from healing traditions, including breathwork and movement, mindfulness, meditation, guided imagery, and creative expressive hearts. Dina's experience includes local, national, and global trauma relief programs to individuals and communities to build hope and resiliency. With over 30 years of experience with children, youth, and families, she works with compassion, authenticity, and vision. Her specialties include supporting stress and anxiety, grief and loss, and learning to live through transitions and challenges. Dina works with individuals, all ages, couples and families, and also leads eight to 12 week groups, workshops, and training. Welcome, Dina. Hello there. Thank you. It's exciting to see you today and to to have you here. We'll be passing the the heart Mm -hmm. back and forth. And, you know, so... I know my audience really likes to know kind of the background story now. So you weren't always Dina Rain Adler, the registered arts therapist. Who were you? What was, tell us a little bit about the path, the journey that it took to get there. Hmm. Well, um, right now I'm calling in from Rochester, New York. Um, and uh, I always like to say, you know, I'm Canadian, um, but I also make myself sound like I, I just got here a week ago. <laughs> and uh, so I've really been in the States uh, probably now over 30 years. But my home is Toronto. Um, we're just in that vicinity in Canada. That's where all my family is. And that does mean something to me. Um, but also, I think that one of my themes in life, um, where's home? And, and where, where is our heart? Um, when I was little, all I ever wanted to do was be a teacher. Always. I was that kind of kid, you know, that came home after school and played teacher right in my own, you know, house. Um, so went to school for that. And then of course, when I graduated, I thought, oh, I don't know if this is all that I want to be doing. Um, and it was actually an aunt very dear to me in Baltimore, Maryland, um, who told me about art therapy. Um, and they'll tell you something about my age because actually, uh, in the 80s in Canada, you couldn't even get training for it to be an art therapist. So we have definitely evolved. And that's what kind of brought my my journey into um, the United States. Um, many people go into art therapy. I came into it um, not as the formal trained artist, but just as the, the kid who always used creativity and art um, to support inner healing. That was a you know, I'm more of that quiet kind of soul. So art was my passion. Um, and absolutely love it. Uh, and really have um, mixed now my loves for teaching and art um, for all these years. Uh, so my path did take me um, down to um, Boston to get training at Leslie College, which is a wonderful college. And in those days, very different than now, um, we learned everything intuitively. Uh, so if we even were talking about like family and intricacies, we would, and you would love this because we would do it through movement um, mm. and art. Uh, so 
Um, I mean, nowadays there's a lot more didactics and all the other, and we need that. But what a special timing it was, truthfully, to come into the field. Um, and then that did take me to Baltimore, where I spent like another, you know, 15 years and married uh, and had kids. And it's a so I really feel grateful to have all these incredible cities. So Toronto, Baltimore, Rochester. Um, who knows where it may take me next? I'm excited. I don't mind getting older. I, I think, uh, actually, I've heard the 70s is going to be the best decade to come. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah, well, why not make the next one you're looking at the best one, right? Exactly. Yeah. Cast a vision mm-hmm. of the future you want to see and be kind to your future self. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And so, you know, before we we gathered and, and went live this morning, we had a moment just to settle and take three breaths. And I was wondering if you wouldn't mind leading our viewing audience and our listening audience in three breaths, because it's often a way that we come into or start our work when we're doing something through the Center for Mind-Body Medicine, which is how we met, and we'll we'll tell that story as well. And it's certainly become a part of almost pretty much how we do life. We start with, with the breath. So let's go ahead and let's give everybody that experience right now. Would you lead us? I, I'm happy to. And I'm actually going to start with um, something visual because... Um, Carol, you're always like a work of art. And so the story that you told today of the fabric, um, I mean, this is creativity at its core. And then the color of the beads. So just for a minute, too, before I'm going to invite you to close your eyes, um, take a look at one of these colors that you're looking at the screen. Or you may look outside your window um, or what is in your own room for a color that just as you breathe, you might hold that inside. And even as you close your eyes, you still might feel and see that color or that image and even a trace of where it came from. Mm -hmm. So with that, I, because of the light of the screen, I always invite people to just close your eyes gently or look downward. And the first breath of just our connection to ourself of breathing in through our nose and letting that air fill our belly like a balloon. And just gently, as if that balloon, whatever color it may be, is slowly deflating and the air comes out. You might even hear yourself sigh. And this second breath of perhaps for your love of your family and the community that you're in, and just breathing in for what it may need, what you may need. And breathing out gently. Perhaps with a hand on your heart, perhaps even one on your belly. Let's do one for the whole universe today. Breathing in. And breathing out slowly of our awareness and of our connectedness. And knowing at any time you can come back and do three deep breaths. And then with that, just inviting all to open eyes again so we're together. 
beautiful. Thank you so much. Oh man, it's like every day if if people could but stop and make a mindful moment, make a mindful moment. And it can be something as simple and as short as three deep breaths. I know that just changed everything for me. So thank you so very much for doing that. Now, where do you and I, let's tell the story of where you and I met and where we get this notion of opening sessions, opening meetings with the idea of some breathing. You know, in the training of the Center for Mind, Body, Medicine, I'm trying to think it was meeting you either on the, might have been out in California, um, might have been built Baltimore, Maryland. I know definitely it was our shared work in Broward County in Florida. Um, you know, and the work was important, but I also, what I really appreciate, Carol, was um, the morning Qigong and um, really the embodiment there also of Qigong and movement. Um, and you know that the chi ball that you'll use um, and how how the movement, and I you could see a color, you can see it moving. Oh, I just felt like, oh, we speak the same language here. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it was funny because again, you know, actually like placing that first meeting. So when we go and we've had just the wonderful opportunity to do live trainings. And they're usually big. We're talking there's several hundred people between the faculty and the staff and the participants, you know, moving in the sea of life. And there's this opportunity to connect, to meet. And, and sometimes uh, the connections um, are, are deeper or more physical. And, and Dina and I have had had the pleasure of being in the same place at the same time where we've gotten to make this connection. And for, for mm -hmm. Dina, whenever I would hear her speak, I was like, ah, you know, and I'm going to use the word little cause, cause Dina's a lot packed into, but you know, <laughs> you know, this little ball of energy, a soul sister. Mm -hmm. And I just felt so, so drawn to her and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm taller and kind of gangly and, you know, and hugging each other, meeting each other for the first time as faculty feeling like, okay, you know, I'm smothering her as I hug her, but it's been, she's also a physically expressive person. And I think we have enjoyed each other's energetic imprint, which is one of the beauties of when you can be in the same space at the at the same time. And we both love the, the work that we do in the small group facilitation. And when we have the opportunities to speak to big groups and to share our work and the creativity of our, our work. So fast forward this summer, We've had the opportunity to step into another level of activism, another level with this work. When we met in Broward, that was a deepening. When I say Broward, I want everyone to see Marjorie Stillman Douglas. I want you to bring to mind the tragedy that unfolded in Florida down in the southern part of Florida in February of 2018. 
when a young man shot mm. fellow students, mm. shot teachers, and the fifth largest school district in the United States became embroiled in the unfolding mm. of something almost unfathomable. Each and every time we see these mass shootings, the unfathomable, the unthinkable, the how do we process this occurs. And we both were invited by the center to be faculty down in Broward and at Marjorie Stillman Douglas. And that's the type of mind-body work and group facilitation that is also infused with the sensitivity of both cultural awareness and it is also trauma-informed. So, Dina, what what is that work like for you when you're stepping into the area where the unthinkable has happened, the unfathomable has happened, where there's no real playbook for what has occurred? You know, and I just have to tell you for a moment, too, I didn't put this together, but what it, you know, kind of subtly means um, of doing the work together in Florida because of the tragedy uh, massacre that they had on February the 14th, that it was also the 14, the May one, um, and that just that number, the 14. Um, yeah, and you know, for the, I haven't been thinking about the, the number 14 because um, they're two different places in different times. It's just somehow just stuck, to, just hit me in my heart. Um, you know, the, what the image that comes up is, um, first of all, an awakening. Um, because before the uh, doing work at the Center for Mind-Body Medicine, um, since 2005, I've been doing volunteer work for um, the World Life Institute for Project Life. And they help uh, children uh, in war-torn areas. And I'll have to say that when I began that work in helping the children, I had never heard of Chechnya or Ingushetia before. So when I say also awakening, um, you know, like I, I'm always aware of the pain of the world and hold some naivety as well of, of all that's in this world. Um, so lots of humility of then uh, walking into, whether it's when my travels to Ingushetia and, and into Grozny or going into, um, you know, um, Florida after their tragedy and, um, and same thing with Buffalo and looking at, you know, what we, what are, is our place as healer? Um, and we're not coming necessarily to fix and take over. Um, but what I, I like about this work uh, and this is how I work as well. Um, it's like joining in a circle. So we are, are here together um, as one uh, and first doing a lot of listening and being together. Yeah, absolutely. It's hitting me also in my heart about, whoa, both of those mm -hmm. events took place on the 14th day of the month. And what's also um, striking me is a bit of the, the backstory. So there's a, the forward story, the backstory. So there's Broward County, but then there's all the failed attempts 
at gun legislation in this country, then we're fast forward to George Floyd, and then we're fast forward to Rochester and the Black Lives Matter protest in, in Rochester. Mm-hmm. You're having a daughter involved in that. I'm having a son involved in the Black Lives Matter protest in Chicago. And then we have a colleague with a friend whose son is severely injured in Rochester. And then there is you know, again, just unrelenting forces of violence and hate and crimes against humanity. And then there's the 14th of May. Mm -hmm. And there is what occurred in Buffalo, which again, you know, called us both, you know, both of us could, you know, just retreat and be comfortable, be, you know, middle-class ladies, you know, doing uh, professional work that really doesn't um, call us too far outside of our, our comfort zone. So this time, well, the difference between Broward and Buffalo was that the Broward, we had the center and all the resources of the center. Buffalo really was stepping out on another kind of activism because we weren't being called there by the center. We went there on on our own. So what has taken you on this trajectory from an ally to an accomplice to an activist to an anti-racist? Let's talk about all of that. Big <laughs> Let's see if we can construct deconstruct some of that. Mm-hmm. I, I think that um, yeah, that's, that's that's a full question, <laughs> um, and I think the significance has come. You know, when you do a fast thing of life too, um, probably you know, growing up in an area in Canada too, where we also thought that we didn't have any problems in our country. And then, you know, now knowing, of course we did, of course we did. So um, coming coming out of a feeling of safety and having a clearer kind of, you know, a lens of looking at the world. Um, uh, traveling to areas in need um, in this world, I think was so helpful. And I was so grateful to bring that to my own children uh, so that they also um, could become early activists. And I'm, I'm sure that that planted seeds um, in even my daughter. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. But she's my teacher, too. And what she taught me was shifting from silence and fear. And um, absolutely knowing that um, I might have it in my heart to be an anti-racist um, and an ally. But I got I have to do a lot more and begin to speak. Um, so, uh, you know, Buffalo, um, I spent over 15 years working in the community, um, Mm -hmm. there with families, uh, in wonderful programs where in those days too, we had good money to spend. If you need a, what do you need? You need food in your fridge. We can use the funding for there. Um, but still um, probably not seeing enough change then to uh, the disparities of all these areas. Um, So I think that the call now is 
yes, to come in to do the healing and at the same time um, know that this is not enough and how to really change the communities. Um, you know, when we first started the summer, we came to Buffalo, was that July 9th, I think, was that with Blue July 8th? July 8th. Yeah. Um, you know, and that there was, you know, finding out the the program there was for all the uh, right kids, especially of color, African-American kids who were not able to even have the advantage of learning how to swim or swim in the summer. And then whatever's happening, that there's not enough lifeguards, who would have even known that that would be something to think about? Um, so showing up at that first event together um, and really offering a chance to um, what I loved about it is I remember some, seeing some of the kids um, on the sidelines of the water. And I've always felt for water for me, if I'm going to get over my fear, it would probably be in the water. So um, we were able there to use as the healing arts and the connection and voice, uh, water, movement, a watercolor. Um, and that was just one little evening, but such a such an incredible feel. And um, I have to say that, you know, spending also the time in, in Buffalo in the past couple of months, um, how strong they are in their own sense of creativity. Rochester is like that too. Um, mm -hmm. Well, you know what, maybe Baltimore and Toronto too. Beautiful cities, maybe where you are too, just where music and art um, is going to push us all forward as well. Yeah, I love July 8th. That was, you know, you know, it's interesting because as you step in, you say, wow, you know, do I even have any business here? You know, I'm, you know, I'm not from here. You know, what am I doing? How, how is this unfolding? But there were several things that I noticed about that one, the city of Buffalo with its, they have uh, the, the east side and a west side. And the west side is the side of the haves. The east side is the side of the have nots. And it, right there reminded me of my own community in Red Bank, except for it's flipped. The east side is the side of the haves and the west side is the side supposedly of the have nots and you know the reasons for that and when you start to peel back the layers of the reasons for that you see that it goes actually into policies policies that have been being cultivated and developed for well over a, a hundred years or so there is just something that i'll, I'll share it's an, an article that was written about uh, a Buffalo, a brief history of the segregation of Buffalo. And I would like to remind people, go ahead, you know, copy this down, grab that, read that. And if you are living in a place where there is that dividing line, whether it's a highway or railroad tracks, then this is worth a read because there are a lot of parallels to that and what that means and what that ends up looking at downstream through the years. And so there was a part of me was like, you know what? I know this very same thing could happen in Red Bank, New Jersey. A lot of people don't think it could happen in Red Bank, New Jersey, but it can, it has, and it has happened in subtle ways. There hasn't been a massacre here, but you can look and 
look at the history of what has occurred here and see where there's been a type of apartheid that has occurred. And this is very, very true. It's alive and well in the city of Buffalo, because here we were uh, working in collaboration with the City Swim Project, because there's been a long history in Buffalo of who gets to learn how to swim and who doesn't get to learn how to swim. And then fast forward, we have a shortage of lifeguards available, not just in Buffalo, but all across the country, but very much impacting the city of Buffalo and the City Swim Project. And 400 families who who belong to the City Swim Project, so they have the fear of coming out because of the massacre that had just happened a few months before. They also, um, those who want to come out are being told they can't come out because now most of the city pools will not open up. So that that learning to swim that you were doing is not going to happen because we don't have enough staffing to to go around. And then when they decide to open pools, what neighborhoods are the pools in that get opened? So all of that and all of that happening happening along color lines. So here we are at what is to be a a celebratory evening. We have no idea who's going to show up. We just know that we're there. And the time comes, the doors opened, and the people did come out. The people did come out. We had about 60 to 80 families that were represented, and it was so adorable because there was an opportunity not only for movement expression and the watercolors, that you offered as creative expression, but also for them to go into the water as healing. And the facilitators that were leading the water as medicine aspect uh, were there and they got to tell their water stories. So our colleague, mm-hmm. Thaddeus, and the Olympic swimmer, Colin Jones, I have to claim him, he's, he's yeah. from New Jersey, he's a New Jersey <laughs> native, just like I am. And, you know, watching this Olympic swimmer bring these little ones into the water. I just want to call him the water whisperer because you can see some of them were afraid and reluctant. Some were crying. The little six and seven year olds, you know, they had a, you know, a determined parent. They're like, oh, you're going to get in this water. You're not fixing the sand. And the way he just so gently brought them into the water to experience the beauty of it, the power of that. And then also watching his strength and grace in the water, you know, looking at someone who was so obviously at home in and around the water. So just a a beautiful, beautiful event with creativity at its heart and soul. How did watching all of it unfold, how did it impact you? Well, you know, and it's always wonderful to hear, you know, how these things get described and then it takes us to another uh, thinking place. Um, I think also when we talk about, you know, creative medicine and um, I think that what's so key, these are all just experiences that we do, right? We have some meetings on the planning, we have a framework and then we come in and then it's the, I don't know, I don't know who's going to show up and we might change it within a second. 
And I think that's such a key thing that we are not following. Um, excuse me, we have a list of these things. Uh, I mean, it's, there's pl- the time and place for that. But when we think about healing and creativity, I think you have to be able to be able to have this evolve organically and, and be able to change it within a minute. Um, and so, uh, and how key and important that is. Um, I, you know, for me, it's those, it is those quiet moments of, of tension when you, you don't know what's going to happen. Um, that, that really is life. So whether or not that's when we were um, all together, even, and we're not even in the water, that's pretty huge to think, all right, we are now in one circle. Let's say we're 60, 75 people, and we really all don't know each other. Um, And are we all from Buffalo? Where are we? Where are we not? And there's been some horrific things that have happened. So the fear, you're right, of even coming, can I come to a community event? Who's going to be here? And will I be welcomed? to then think that, um, and I remember some of those faces, and I would be one of those that, and I did that with Thaddeus in in Florida, of um, getting over some fear of like being in the water and what's going to happen there. Uh, but without those moments of tension, um, I'm not sure healing's going to happen. Mm. So I, I think that you know, and I also think of creativity and. As it's as much creativity uh, emerges, also from things that get destructed, um, or we think of it, you know, where, um, you know, that the saying that our hearts are not um, breaking, but they're breaking open. Um, so I, I think for me, it's always at some of those moments of just when you think, oh, I don't know, or it's really hard. It's like staying with it because mm-hmm. that's power is and that could become in that could happen at a big protest that could happen at a small event or a circle of six people and it's really holding space for that yeah it was really beautiful to watch you know so again when people first came and some people knew each other some people didn't and you know people looking around and you know doing that thing that our minds do the amygdala am, am i safe here do i belong here and then that first you know opening of introductions and starting to feel the tension melt because it's like it's palpable because people were still a little bit walking through the doors with their shoulders up. You know, some people have said, you know, I haven't, you know, A, it's the pandemic. I haven't been out of the house because of the pandemic. And I've been afraid to come out of my house since the massacre of May 14th. So that, you know, creeping out on little kitten feet is very tentative. And then when our colleague invited everyone to come. So we have now 70, 75 people in this ginormous circle. And we are going to invite people into their breath. We're going to invite people into movement before inviting them to get into the water because everyone had the opportunity to come and get in the water. And it was so interesting because when we looked at the sign-in sheets, very few people had signed in as if they were going to get in the water because, again, there was a little bit of that unspoken fear. That was hanging out there. Like, let me, t- I'm just going to go check out and, and see what this is going to be about. And then, you know, we'll see what's going to happen then. Well, and you and I were set up where we could have then taken the people who weren't going to get in the water 
and then movement with them and then the water coloring with them. Well, after we did that Qigong circle, that movement circle, 100% of the people got in the water. <laughs> Non-swimmers and swimmers alike. And it was just, it was amazing because again, that shift to feel and to, and, and to see the fear and the tension melt away. Cause that's a real risk to get in the water, particularly if you're a non-swimmer, there's a lot can be, there can be a lot of fear around that. So everybody had their experience in the water. We did Qigong and movement on the pool deck. And then after that, we sent people over to you. And the people that were coming over to you, what was the energy that you were feeling in that room? Because we had a lot of adults and kids that after they dried off and got dressed, they did want to express themselves in the yeah, world. Yeah. Well, and um, I, the other thing I just want to mention, too, is that how key it is as a, as a change maker to start with the breath. And uh, how powerful, like even here today, um, if, if that could happen everywhere. So even when we're in the circle together before it's, we do the hello, but to do that shared breath in silence, I always think that that's one of the just graces of, of the connectedness that we have. Um, I chose watercolor. Not everybody loves it uh, um, because, first of all, we're using water. And so we're using some fluidness, but it's hard to control. And I think that that's for many who are, we're probably um, gonna, you know, step their toes and, and it's not much of a walking into pool. You almost have to jump in, um, right? And it was cold. <laughs> so there's lots of things that they were, you know, might be experiencing in the water or seeing if these were kids seeing their parents do. Um, and the same thing happens with watercolor. Um, it's not just like a crayon where, and I have control. And then the beauty of that can be, um, you know, just letting with water, letting colors kind of burst and open up. Um, so, uh, it was also giving kids, um, because there were a lot of kids there, liquid watercolor. It's kind of like looking at the beauty of the colors that you're wearing. When you have some nice, bold colors as well. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's a very sensory experience as well. Um, and there was some real freedom, uh, that we could make a mess and we had nicely lined the gym with enough, you know, plastic floor mats because you want to be able to make a mess when you're creative. And I think that that's part of it. If we're worried too much to be, you know, clean, um, then we're, we're restrictive, uh, so there was one side where people were just mixing colors or creating images. And then there was another space with like a large banner and we had another nice um, expressive tool, which is liquid paint, uh, those temper markers. And it's almost like painting with lipstick. It just feels so luscious. Uh, and that was whatever you wanna say. And uh, some people were saying, you know, love and everything else. And so I, I remember seeing one little person there and they wrote, like, we need war. And I, that's where my eyes kind of zoned in that we gave space, safe space to say whatever you need to say. So it might be painting freely and expressing yourself. But they're also like what I love about that graffiti board. 
here you can say what, what may need to be heard. Um, mm. and so, uh, I think that was really important. Um, and that, you know, the other beautiful thing about artwork is always that um, it can last so we can work with it. Um, so it gives that visual image. Um, now we can do that with movement too, because we can take a video of it. But interesting, right? We, we do a movement and it's gone. With art, um, it's there. So it can also kind of, um, you know, stand as a test of time or a journal marking, where was I a month ago and where am I now? So it can kind of help us see where we're going and what we may need to change or totally, I, I love it too, when people can rip something up um, as part of the process. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was delightful watching those little ones. And then some of them wanted to take their artwork home. It was a treasure that they could keep. And then also just watching all the movement as they got excited when they would choose a color, when they would take a, the marker or the paintbrush and their little bodies would just kind of, you know, just do that little shake dance with excitement and their eyes lit up and engaged. And then watching the delight that the adult that they had come with, or whether it's a parent or guardian, just, you know, watching the delight and the surprise of, of the children. And we're going to have to go to a break in a minute, but we know there's so much science now about why and how this is healing. So I often refer to the medicine of, and there is a medicine in creative expression. And so, you know, why is this healing? I mean, it's not, it's actually quantifiable that this is a way of creating healing, self-healing for the body. Well, that good old right brain, left brain as well. <laughs> well, first, you know, it's on many levels. So one, uh, it can, it's an expressive meditation and it can bring on those relaxation, uh, the, the good hormones. They've done research studies as well with um, just coloring. So you don't have to be a good artist to really make change. And I think that's key. So the beautiful ones of just making a doodle and coloring it in, that makes changes in our brain. So that's a really good takeaway for everyone to know that anyone can do this. Um, then symbolically, and now we're using the power of imagery, what I can learn and the awareness of, of making the concept. But what I love about it first is before we can make the gains with you know our logical part of the brain, we just need to express it. Um, and so I often say that just classic, just lines, shapes, and colors, just start with one and see where it goes. Um, and how key that is. And then from there, whether we're using paint or clay or whatever, um, then after we've done that expresses and you, I mean, we're using our kinesthetic body, we're, you know, crossing, using bilateral, or both our brains are talking, to, sides of our brains are talking at the same time. Then we might be able to um, also make an awareness and be able to say, this is the story of my drawing or my painting. Whether or not you understand my imagery, it's always important what it means to me. Um, Absolutely. Yes, what it means and the power of that, the medicine of that. So listen, we'll be right back. When we come back, we'll wrap up. We'll talk about our second visit 
to to Buffalo as we talk about all these things, ally, activist, accomplice, anti-racist, creative artist, expression, creative arts, all those wonderful things that get and keep us so excited. So we'll be right back after this word. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Waitlist with Dr. Carol Penn is brought to you by Penn Global Visions, Penn Global Medical Group, and the Tocito Connection. We'd like to thank you for supporting this program and again for spending your afternoon with us. We invite you to listen to the podcasts of all of our shows at anchor.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, and videos, of course, are available on our YouTube channel. So now let's return to Dr. Carol and her super friend guest. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you so much. All right. So Dina, we're going to wrap up here. So that was July 8th. My goodness. And then we went back, you know, as if once wasn't enough. So now here we are back there the first couple of days in, in August and, you know, we have had uh, Deidre ML, we have had, we're going to um, have Victoria Ross, some of our colleagues with Western New York Peace Center. We're going to have our other colleague, Dr. Sabrina Njai. So I want to zero in on, we did a little sidebar on the Thursday night of our journey there. And I don't know about you, but... I had so much fun that evening, as well as there were quite a few poignant moments that occurred. And again, you know, for anyone who wants to to donate to this idea of embracing Buffalo and support, because we want to go back again. There's more to this story. There's more than it's unfolding. Can you tell our viewers and our listeners, what were we up to on a Thursday evening in the first week of August in Buffalo? <laughs> Snuck that in, didn't we? <laughs> uh, trust. We, we trust that creative process. Um, I think that, um, you know, what we do with the center is beautiful um, and it offers healing circles it offers dialogue, uh, some practices in, in meditation, mindfulness. I think we got in some shaking and dancing. Um, and then what I love is that we we can take that and offer more. So mm-hmm. letting people go a little bit deeper with it. Um, and I think that's important too. So. Uh, and also, um, really, I think part of the gift was noting some of our participants and guests um, and friends now have were, were present at some of these. So what they were able to do in some of the circles and then what they were doing with then the art, um, the painting and the movement, uh, I think just also supported that transformative uh, process for them too, to really make some true healing. Um, cause then there is no real guideline. And, uh, you know, so what, one of my favorite moments from that was, um, the dance that we did with our partner, which was using movement. Um, what's your life story? So instead of me talking it, like even here today, I, I verbally shared a little pieces of it. 
but how different that is if I and I did it all through movement. That was a lot of how my training was. So I absolutely loved that. And um, your trust that when you are with someone eye to eye, there is that connection. And I'm going to just put my heart and soul into, yeah, what did that movement mean? How do I resonate with that? Mm-hmm. Um, that was really a powerful uh, yeah. experience to have. It was... then... Go ahead. I just was saying, then we took that energy uh, and it's all like every it's got, it's asking everybody to um, go out of their comfort zone, um, share space on one big mural and paint whatever you want. And you might not want somebody painting right beside you. So, what do you <laughs> do that? so it's letting people test it all out uh, without using words, which I think is yeah. so needed in our very heady culture. Absolutely. And I think some of my favorite um, moments, because again, we had no idea who was going to show up or what was going to unfold, but that heartfelt expression of particularly from the men saying that this is the first time they had been touched in years. So poignant, you know, that gentle, supportive touch and the fact that that's what what was shared in circle. That's what came up. And that's something that can't be scripted. It cannot be written down on a prescription pad. It has to be lived. It has to be felt. It has to be experienced. And the person has to be in the space where they can receive it and feel safe enough to honor that, own it, acknowledge it, claim it. And for me, that was the the poignant moment and the moment where, you know, I could just feel the tears, tears of, of gratitude uh, behind my own eyes as that was shared. So, yeah, and that's, the, you know, again, that's the beauty of the creative arts uh, self-awareness, self-appreciation, no one telling you what to do or what the end product should be, but that true authentic expression. And the other, you know, really powerful moment, and this is the work where to go forward with it was also um, for my partner, you know, an African-American male who had over the other two days openly expressed rightly so his anger at white people. Um, so here I was his partner and I'll have, I, I will say that for a moment there, I thought, oh no, I don't know if I can do this. Am I going to be that okay partner for him? We were so right and, and, uh, to be the partners for each other. Um, and then, and when he first did his dance of his life and I shared back what I felt and he said, you got it. And that, that moment there was like, um, such a beautiful connection. It doesn't mean that that represents every white, you know, aspect of our culture, but that's what we have to have more of. Um, and uh, yeah, that, so that was a wonderful beginning um, as well. Yes. And as a friend of mine would say, and more of that, please. Yeah. It was beautiful and, and poignant, authentic and honest and really using the creative mm-hmm and expressive arts to make that journey from ally to, 
to accomplice, to activist, to anti-racist. And on that note, we are going to have to say goodbye and thank you to our wonderful guests, Dina Adler. I hope that you'll hang around for a few minutes and meet me back in the green room. Thank you so much for this wonderful journey. We invite everyone to embrace Buffalo, to explore the creative arts in your own life, whether it's the visual arts or painting, movement, music, poetry, all of it. And to most importantly, be the change that you want to see in the world. Thank you, Dina. Thank you. All right. So we're going to play out with Kenny and see you next time. No matter what people say, you're full of greatness. Greatness. Time you opened up your eyes, you were courageous. If only they could see you going through your paces. It's amazing. Weightless.